Welcome to Season 2, Episode 9 of the Dead Serial Podcast. In all actuality, this is Episode 25. I'm your host, LJ. Today I'm sitting down with Lenny Lashley from Darkbuster, Lenny Lashley's Gang of One, and the Street Dogs. Uh, I've been really looking forward to get going with Lenny. So without further ado, what's up, Lenny? <laughs> How you doing, LJ? I'm doing good, man. What's going on in Boston? Is uh, winter sinking in out there for you guys yet? Uh, just a little rain right now, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's getting there slowly but surely, yeah. It's coming. I was out there. I was actually living out there for a little bit in 2003, and being from Salt Lake, what Boston called a blizzard was like a, a light dusting compared to what we get. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, we, we get we get pummeled pretty good, too, up here. Well, and then you guys have to worry about everything icing over. <laughs> yeah, well... We're Bostonians. We worry about everything, probably, I guess. <laughs> well said, dude. Well, I kind of want to touch base. you got a lot of stuff coming up. Hooligan Weekend, Wreck the Halls, Punk Rock bo- uh, Excuse me, punk rock Bowling. After that, you're going to be touring with Dropkick a little bit as well. And I don't know where you want to start or what you want to chat about. Um, obviously, uh, well, what, the Hooligan Holiday, I guess we start uh, timeline-wise anyway. I mean, that, that's in a good spot, I guess, you know. Yeah. That's next week, next week coming up fast, so uh, that should be really rad. Rico is uh, is real good guy. I got to meet him in Buffalo a couple of years ago, and uh, I've always wanted to kind of head down to that thing. So it just it never really panned out, and this year it, it, uh, it looks like it's going to be a real banger. Slap shots playing for Boston, and uh, we get to do another gig with Sickle Doll. So nice, dude. That's, that's what, Two of my favorite yeah, hardcore the, bands right there. <laughs> Dude, I can't even imagine. I met those guys. I think I was 15. They played a venue out here called the New Hope Center in North North Salt Lake, and uh, my mind was blown. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they still do it the same way. That's the, the, the best part, you know? Nice, dude. And Slapshot, obviously, hardcore legends. <laughs> yeah, no no doubt. Yeah, still doing it with the, the, the New England cynicism that, uh, that, that we know and love them for, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That's fucking badass, dude. So uh, you got that coming up. That that should be a fucking killer time. And with Wreck the Halls, that's kind of more of like a Toys for Tots benefit. Is that right? Uh, no, we uh, Wreck the Halls is just a thing that the street guys have been doing even before I was in the band. Usually it was a, it was a run that they, I think a, the first time I we did it as support with the Buster for them. It was a run that they did usually about a, uh, you know, like a 10 or 12 day, sometimes even uh, even longer. But they did it leading up to a, uh, a gig in Boston or a weekend in Boston that they had been doing. So uh, the, the Toys for Tots aspect of it is something that, uh, that I've been trying to tie in with the last couple of years and, and, and to try and help out where we can as far as that goes. Mike is, uh, has uh, uh, been nice enough to try and donate a bunch of the proceeds for, for uh to a charity of his choice, which is uh, Mass Fallen Heroes, uh, which is uh, army uh, military vets and stuff like that. And so, uh, you know, like we try and give a little back with it, and and uh, and it's been a fun thing too. So that's that's going to be great too. We got uh, noise from uh, Tacoma coming out for a gig. Clapshot is on that bill with us too again. So and uh, Rob Lynch being Ramallah too. So. That should be really cool. They they haven't played out in quite a while, so. Nice, and Noise is a fucking killer project too. Those guys kick ass, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I lo- love those guys. We were lucky enough to play uh, twice with them on that last West Coast run, and, and yeah, and, nice and one of those shows was in Salt Lake, which broke my heart even more to miss it. <laughs> yeah, right. A killer yeah, lineup. There'll be another. One. Hopefully, there'll be another one anyway. I just was chatting with Matt, and uh, and they're totally soaked. So, I mean, uh, that, that is such a good pairing. I, I'd love to see us do some more work together in the future, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That'd be badass. Well, and you just, with Street Dogs, you guys kicked out a, a fucking awesome new album. Um, These Ain't the Old Days is probably my favorite track off that album. No kidding. <laughs> 
But you've also been recording a new album. Is that going to be for Lenny Lashley's Gang of Honor for Darkbuster? Uh, yeah, right now the thing I'm I'm, I'm working on uh, is uh, Gang of One release. Uh, all of, All are welcome is the title uh, of the record. Should be uh, I, I think I just talked with Skip from Pirates Press uh, is, is the label that's putting it out. Nice. Uh, and, and I think where we're at is just finalizing artwork. He's got stuff out for test pressing now, and we're looking for. Uh, February release, hopefully that coincide with that Dropkick Murphy's run, which will be, I guess, the 17th of February start. So nice, and that's a run up to the Dropkick Murphy St. Patrick's Day bill. Is that right? Yeah, it's uh, it's 28 days, and then we do uh, we wind up in Portland, Maine, and then we have a few days off, and we do the the 17th, the actual day, St. Patty's Day with them. So. Nice, dude. Well, I'm looking forward to that album. How many tracks are you gonna are you gonna treat us with? Uh, it's ten tracks total, and uh, recorded again with uh, with Pete Steinkoff from the Souls. He he uh, was gracious enough to to uh, offer up his services to produce and engineer another record with me. Uh, Joe Soroyce from the Boston's played drums on, which oh, hell he yes, was, uh, he was part of the first record too. The the illuminated thing that I did, he played on six tracks of that. So, um, and John uh, from the Street Dogs played bass. Uh, some friends of Pete uh, in Jersey helped out with some tracks too. So I'm really stoked. I think it's uh, it's going to be a good follow up record. Dude, you're a talented motherfucker, and uh, I don't want to fanboy out too hard, but I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny talking with Pete because the the, the first record, the illuminated thing, was was written from like not probably the the best time or the best per- stuff that was going on personally in my life you know yeah so he was really interested to see kind of w- what vibe the the the, uh, the new stuff would take and it it, it was very uh, very homogenous you know what I mean we really it's it just kind of I've never recorded something that kind of was so natural at doing you know we didn't really have a super great idea or some stuff. I lost a laptop that had a bunch of my demos on it, and oh, uh, shit. so we kind of just winged it uh, with some some newer ideas that I had. And it's funny how life works out, you know. Like I, I was really stressed and thinking that was going to be a a kick in the ass, and it probably turned out to be the best thing that could have happened. You know, the record really uh, wouldn't have been probably what it was if, if it, how it turned out if I had all of the, the the demos that were lost. You know, so nice. Uh, things just kind of seem to fall in place and work out whether they seem like they're going to or not <laughs> yeah you know that's true I mean uh, the older you get I think the more you realize that you can't I mean uh, you can never tell what's around the corner you know you think you do but you never really do so yeah I had a, a guest uh, a buddy of mine from New York on a few episodes ago and I think he said it best the only thing he's certain about is that nothing is certain <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> That's about right, yeah. And even that probably isn't certain. Yeah, <laughs> well said, dude. No, that's badass. Well, and, that, and real quick, touching base on that last album, you've got Next to Fairy Tale in New York by the Pogues. Anti-Christmas is yeah, probably one of my favorite Christmas songs. <laughs> oh, thank you, man. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, yeah, I hope that someday it, 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 uh, it holds its weight with, with songs like that. Fairy Tale is a great tune. And, uh, I mean... It's biopic, unfortunately. It's, it's it was it was written in a super eight, so you know, like. But I hope that the, the hope is that it'll, it'll that that stuff helps people that are going through maybe a tough time, you know. Well, I think music is very therapeutic in that sense, where at least for me, always growing up, you know, what I mean, with trials and tribulations, throwing on some hardcore, or some punk rock, or some classic rock, even is. It just kind of helps get you through those slumps, you know? Yeah, well, it saved my life in that regard. And, I, and I'm sure that if you talk to, to a bunch of musicians, you know, on the therapy side, that's kind of what we're doing, too, is, 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 uh, is venting and getting our own, you know, our own beneficial side of that, too, you know? so Nice. No, that's awesome, dude. Are we going to see anything from the new Darkbuster? Or are you just going to be focusing on Street Dogs and Lenny Lassie's Gang of One? Well, I mean, for the, so, so for the last uh, 
the last bunch of years, uh, street dogs has obviously been the first and foremost kind of thing, which, uh, which is kind of, you know, like how I, uh, when I came into it, I, I wanted John and Mike to, to know that that was going to be a priority so that they wouldn't think, you know, Hey, he, he's just, he's going to be here or there with it. Uh, so, you know, that still being said, is kind of my number one priority as far as that goes. Uh, uh, but maybe a little bit slower year as far as touring and dates go. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, the pushing of this one, it's it's funny because I think if I spread myself too thin, I get nothing done. And if I focus on only one thing, then I'm, I'm always looking for more to do. So, uh, yeah, I think there will be something eventually from, from the new Darkbuster thing anyway. I mean, there's a good bunch of guys that love playing with them. Uh but probably not for a year, at least, I would say. Nice. I used to bartend at a little Irish pub here in Salt Lake, the Republican, and uh, I've closed down the bar many a nights to Dark Buster Skinhead, so I'm a little, uh, right up, right a little up. biased, dude. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, I'm, I'm uh, like that particular tune, it's, uh, it's kind of like a remarkable how what a a reaction it gets even you know like i i never knew because uh you know the first we we toured europe only the one time and i had like a, a significant mental break didn't even finish the tour and that song for some reason still kind of uh circulates even with the crowds over in europe and everything so everybody really identifies with that tune so when you guys created a pretty kick-ass music video for that track too <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, no, that was great. I haven't watched that in a long time. I remember the day I was hungover as hell. <laughs> well, and, and speaking about being hungover and, and kind of changes in your life, you, you've gone on five years of sobriety now? Uh, it's it, uh, end of December will be, uh, the 25th of December will be three years totally clean and sober and uh, five years alcohol free, so, and cigarette free, so. Nice. That's not an easy feat, sir. <laughs> uh, it's it, it's uh, it's easier with time as far as the in regard to the you know the uh, the addictive the addiction side of things. You know, like the the habitual side of of that. And the half thing is dealing with life on life's terms. They say, you know what I mean? There's no. I was just thinking about it the other day. So I still do counseling and. Uh, some medication for for uh, depression that's uh you know like a family diagnosed type of things so that was to a degree i was probably self-medicating it for years uh but yeah i mean it's if that's the difficulty now the longer i stay is just realizing that you, you know you have no control you can't change situations or people or things you just have to deal with it how it is so it used nice. to be a great uh great excuse to go smoke a joint you know but now i don't have the i don't have that option anymore so well i didn't know how comfortable you would be you know chatting about your sobriety but i i do want to mention that you know i've got friends who have gone through rehab and who have dealt with substance abuse and i know it's not a comfortable or a fun topic but i definitely think not only can you be an inspiration through your music, but also through your sobriety and just kind of touching base on that quickly can be helpful to anybody who might tune in that's kind of dealing with the same issues. So I hope I didn't throw you a curveball. No, not at all. I mean, that's the hope. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty open about it. And uh, I would say, you know, like to anybody that, that, that maybe does have a question of, of, of having trouble, there's people out there that are more than willing to help. You know what I mean? And it's not, it's, it's whatever you want from it, so. Well, and nobody's. You know, it's like. I was just gonna say nobody's perfect. You know what I mean? I think pride can get in the way where people don't feel like they can or feel like they should ask for help from their circle of friends right. and family, and it's the exact opposite. Like your your friends and family are there for you for that reason. Yeah, I mean, not to get too hokey about it, but like one of the things they say in. Uh, in recovery is that, uh, you know, you ask for help. So like, that's, that's kind of counterintuitive to, 
to a lot of people. To me, in particular, it was like, you know, I, I got this. I can take care of things, and uh, you know, I was I was basically broke down so bad that I I knew I needed help. Uh, first time I wound up in a nut house in in France, and it was pretty obvious. Uh, but then I relapsed and uh, was out there again for a couple of years. And this time I fortunately knew, you know, like it just dawned on me, there's somebody that I could call. And I said, getting out of the way, getting getting out of your own uh, pride and, and, and bullshit and asking for help, I think that's where some of the magic is, you know? Yeah, I can see that for sure. Well, and, I, and kind of on a, a brighter note, uh, you seem to be into your your motorcycles and you were kind of kicking out bike night on your instagram out there in massachusetts you want to you want to rap about that for a little bit well, yeah well like i mean uh that it was actually kind of a little bit of a tie because i've always it's when i got sober three years ago i uh, kind of popped into my head well maybe i'll try and do something different that i never would have done you know and uh I always wanted to ride ever since I was a kid, and I, I never did. So I was confronted with the question, why? And uh, and, and basically because I knew I would fucking kill myself on a motorcycle and want to be part of my French. But I'd, I'd get hammered and, and, and wipe out. So it's something that is a daily reminder for me. And uh, I uh, fortunately have some really great friends that, that uh, build bikes down at Chopper Head in Freetown. I had been following him on social media for a bunch of years and uh, and through some mutual friends, got to know Truth and Jay, the guys that were uh, uh, runners of that shop. And uh, yes, eventually they got me on a bike and that's now it's, that's the closest thing of freedom I ever felt. It's just so awesome. I love riding. Dude, I used to have a 73 Triumph Bonneville 750 and that's the only motorcycle I've ever owned and I, I let it go. And I wish I never would have because it was a beautiful bike, but just that that feeling of freedom on a motorcycle and, you know, whether you're cruising solo or with your buddies, it's that in itself is absolutely therapeutic as well. <laughs> it sure is, man. It's, 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 I guess I got friends that surf. I guess it's probably the closest that you come to that, I, I guess. You know what I mean? It's, I love it. I can see that analogy. Absolutely. But uh, that's awesome. And then bike night, is that something that is a, a reoccurring thing out there that you guys do? Or is that just kind of when it happens? Well, I kind of gave it a run, I think, last year. Me and, uh, and my friend Ryan kind of, uh, who, who's a, he actually plays bass in Slap Shot Ride. And uh, it was something we gave a go last year just because uh, Monday nights where I work is kind of slow. It seemed like a great thing to kind of tie the biker community in I think the once a week thing, we probably, it, it didn't really pan out to do them once a week. So we, we, we're hoping to do it again this year, but maybe just a once a month. Or I think that seems to make more sense, make it more of an event. I'm going to try and get some more live bands incorporated in it. So it's more of a, instead of just a hang and, and stare at everybody's bikes and eat hot dogs, there's a little bit more to it, you know? <laughs> And well, and that would entice people. It seems if you have something weekly, your turnout's a little bit less. And if you do something monthly, it gives you more opportunity to build it up like you're talking about. And if you're playing music, yeah, it, people are going to come out. Yeah, and it, there's a bunch of now. There's a, there's a few other uh, small groups that are doing nights so we can core. I mean, it's all about uh, like the community and how it works, just like the, the the music scene is you go out and support people that come out and support you, you know what I mean? So that's that's what we want to really do ultimately with it. It just kind of broaden the, the, the community, you know? Yeah, no, that that's fucking awesome, man. And being a, a Bostonian, I take it you're a native from Boston? Uh, I grew up about 45 minutes south towards the Cape in, uh, in Kingston. Nice. Kingston Rockers, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the one, yeah. Yeah. Gateway to Plymouth. Nice, dude. That's badass. What what got you into music? I mean, was it just jamming any particular punk rock bands as a kid or how did you get your foot you know, in I, the door 
being the kick-ass musician that you are today? Well, I mean, it was something that my mother did. It was family kind of, but it was always, there was music around always, you know what I mean? And it seems like, if I think about it now, I, I kind of really identified with AM radio and, uh, and the stuff at the time in the, in the early 70s, you know? Yeah. Uh, I picked up, I guess, flute in fourth or fifth grade to try that, and I did it for a couple of years, and and, uh, and then about yeah, about sixth or seventh grade, I I realized that I I wasn't I didn't have the aptitude to kind of read the music and keep up with everybody on the on the academia side of it, and. Uh, you know, one thing led to another. I wanted to play guitar. My mother had an old acoustic line around the house. She said, if you prove to me you can play this, then we'll we'll work on getting something something nicer. So oh, yeah. I love the challenge of that. I think just the, the, I don't know if it was just proven to her that I could do it. or But I had some friends that, that, that lived in the neighborhood that were, it was a big Irish fan. I mean, Danny uh, O'Halloran, actually, his, his older brothers uh, all lived a few houses down, and they were a very musical family. They had, uh, you know, 13 kids in the family, so everybody pretty much played. So uh, Danny eventually wound up playing drums in Darkbuster, uh, but I, would, I was down constantly bugging them, the, the whole family, anybody that would teach me a, a little bit of Over the Hills and Fire Away by Zeppelin or whatever it was you know yeah that's fucking awesome dude <laughs> but and i mean outside of that as far as it, your past and, and background and music is there anything in particular that you want to mention or, or go over well i mean so uh, i guess it was a what tr- the transition for me that i think was really awesome was uh in, in the course of learning how to play and all of that you know there was a I mean, so that was a lot of stuff was happening musically. Eddie Van Halen was coming out. Everybody wanted to be Eddie. We actually had a, a kid in school that looked just like Van Halen and played just like him. I'm going to forget his name, but he even wore the necklace. And, uh, <laughs> and as much as I liked that stuff, I could only do it to, I could only, my capabilities were only what my capabilities were. And that's when I kind of, through a friend's brother's older albums, got introduced to some stuff rocket to russia in particular was the, the record that that i started listening to that, that the, oh sorry the dog's barking in the background um, no you're all good this is the dog friendly podcast i'm surprised mine's not barking or tromping around just yet <laughs> maybe now yeah but uh but that was uh that, that was a real cathartic moment to me i i realized that uh it, it did i didn't have to be so technically uh advanced to to be able to connect with people and to be able to to, to make music you know what i mean yeah well hopefully hopefully i've got a little better at that over the years and i'm a little more technically you know i've been playing since i'm 16 i'm 53 i hope i got better at playing guitar you know but but that's punk rock in a nutshell for me it's just it's 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 the ability to kind of connect and, and express yourself but you don't have to do what everybody else is doing necessarily you know yeah, yeah, it's absolutely your your style, your take, and I I don't think it gets a little, any more punk than that. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's meat and potatoes, you know. Like it's a, it's and that, that's another thing that the those guys, Danny's, the O'Hallorans, the, the the family taught me is like a. I mean, they told me at one point, yeah, we'll, we'll show you everything we know on guitar. You just have to promise us one thing that you always remember that you put your pants on the same way as everybody else. So nice. I've never heard that before, but I dig it. Yeah, it's cool, right? Yeah, hell yeah. When you you got a couple acoustic tracks on YouTube with one song, one take, and uh, you you gonna have an acoustic album, even if it's like a five song EP or anything that you've ever considered tossing out there? You know, me and Skip at the label had uh, at Pirates Press had talked about that. Uh, this this there are. Three or four tracks of the new record that are uh, more based in that in that realm. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not ruling it out. It's something that I definitely would look at. That, that kind of 
was happenstance that the one song one taken. It's kind of like a, it was a magical kind of moment. Uh, I don't really know if I could recreate the lightning in a bottle, you know. But yeah. I, I'd be willing to try. I'd be willing to try. I think for me, like so now I listen to say like Springsteen's Nebraska, which everybody thought was so great, and I never really listened to it. Now I listen to it and I realize there's a real simplistic uh, awesomeness about it. But I think, I mean, my attention span is, is, and most people's attention span for the acoustic stuff is maybe half an hour, 35 minutes, and then people start going like, mm. <laughs> maybe that's true. Maybe that's true with a bunch of stuff. I mean, I can only listen to so much Ingve Malmsteen or, you know, like different things for different people, I guess. But it seems the acoustic stuff is really... Like if I I know because I play out and I do the solo stuff a lot and right usually after twenty twenty five minutes you can hear the crowd will start to murmur a little more people start to get a little more maybe I should just write better songs <laughs> I don't know man your your lyrics are pretty pretty up there <laughs> I think yeah. you're onto something well, where it's more attention span and less about whether or not people are interested in in the set. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that was another. That's a. I mean that's another. Uh, another adage to the Ramones. I mean that was always, always their mentality, their methodology. Short songs and, and quick short sets and leave leave people wanting more rather than. I think once as a performer, once you get to the point where somebody's saying, in the audience is saying, "Wow, I wonder if this guy's ever going to stop doing it," then it's you've gone too far. <laughs> Yeah, no, I can totally understand that. It's, I was a, fine, just, it's a very fine line. Yeah, well, and I was just curious because I mean, those the one song, one take songs are fucking extremely well done, and just yeah. your demeanor and I don't know if it, I don't know if it comes across as more sincere. If that's kind of what I'm trying to grasp there, but it just has a different tone than something that's recorded in the studio. And it's a little bit more personal. Maybe that's what I'm trying to grasp. So. Yeah, I would hope so. I mean, that, like I said, that was a. I was fortunate enough to do a gig in uh, Vegas at Punk Rock Bowling last year with Large and Grace. Oh, nice. And, uh, She's awesome. She said this. She said the same thing to me after the set as I was walking off, and she was had. She was going on and uh, getting ready to go on, and she said, uh, "Lisa, I'd never heard you." I'd never heard you do anything like that before with just me and the acoustic guitar, which I took as a compliment, you know what I mean? It's especially from somebody that can play and, and, and uh, write songs and work an audience as good as she can. So She's phenomenal, dude, I, and big fan. Um, if people aren't familiar with kind of her background and story, I, I highly recommend they check it out because it takes a particular type of person to have the courage to just be who they are and say, fuck it, you're either going to accept me or you're not, and I don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and, uh, and I think that that's it's, it's pretty crucial in the times that we're in right now, you know what I mean? To just, I mean, you always battle that, that we choose to do this stuff, so you you are a bit of a, a role model, hopefully, for for future generations, you know what I mean? And it's important to let people know that there's nothing wrong with, with, with being who you are, you know? Yeah. Well, and that's a big part of punk rock in itself is being yourself, individuality and uniqueness and do it yourself, you know? And I think you're right. I mean, you guys are up on stage. I know bands for me growing up as a kid were a huge inspiration and, and kind of helped mold me into the individual I am today. So setting the example is is extremely important and i think you're kind of onto something where it's especially important with all the bullshit going on right now no doubt i mean that's what drew drew a bunch of us to the punk rock i think you know what i mean was we, we didn't have to fit in you know now it's maybe that's changed changed a little where the the politically correct or the 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 kids with the knowledge books come out and they want you to be able to quote every every lyric from the the Bad Brains first record or something, you know what I mean? It, uh, but the original concept was like everybody that that wasn't 
except it with the cool kid crowd could come come and hang out with us with the punk rockers you know so yeah it was a, the misfits losers and weirdos and that's kind of where we found a, a home <laughs> and yeah exactly and there was no there was no test there was no quiz at the end of it or anything it was just come and have fun and accept each other for what's going on you know well and i think that's an important part of punk rock music or hard hardcore and the hardcore scene is you know toby from h2o and those guys you know i mean passion before fashion it, it doesn't really give nobody gives a shit what you wear to a show and if you do you're kind of there for the wrong reasons you know what i mean yeah i mean it's it's true to a degree you know what i mean i i, I would say that i mean shit everybody's going through their thing so if, if you're showing up at a show and you want to try and fit in by looking a certain way well that's cool too you know what i mean i guess yeah what, what, whatever makes you happy, but really what what you get out of it and what you give to it is the is the real the real benefit I think you know no that that's awesome dude well well said I didn't want to uh jump right to the street dogs I know we kind of mentioned it in that that last album that you guys kicked out stand for something or die for nothing. But I was yeah. actually on the street team for the Seven Hill album back in 2003, and it blows my mind to realize that was 15 fucking years ago. No, <laughs> crazy, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's uh, yeah. Well, you get to hang with the if, if you if you're privy to hanging and riding with uh, with Mike and John and and all of all the history that they have together as a band too. You know, like or just as friends traveling. It's it's crazy to think. John sets up on stage uh, at, at, at halfway through or something in the, uh, that last Euro run we did, and he said, uh, you know, me and Mike have, have spent more time together than I have with my, my wife, my ex-wives or something, you know, and it's, yeah, it's hilarious. <laughs> I mean, it's, I'm sure that they did not, nobody, nobody expected it to be kind of going on still, and yeah, it's 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 a, it's really fun to be involved in in that. You know, I, I really always had a lot of respect for John and Mike. So, well, and they've been a, a part of a lot of cool projects in the past, and uh, you know, with with for for me when I found out you joined the Street Dogs, it was like fuck yes, because <laughs> Darkbuster, one of my favorite bands. Your solo shit with Gang of One is obviously up there. And just a longtime fan and supporter of the Street Dogs, so it was kind of like a, a melding of some of my favorite artists from Massachusetts. And you guys are doing phenomenal, dude. How how long were you on tour in Europe? It seems like there there was a couple different tours out there to Europe, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah, we did. Uh, we did two two twelve or fourteen day runs, and then there was a month or a month and a half off in between. So. Uh, Tomorrow be uh, we'll be back for two weeks tomorrow. So it was good. It was it's it's awesome. I mean, uh, Europe has has got something going on in the music scene that uh, it 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 reminds me of maybe the early '90s or mid '90s in the U.S. where people got out and supported a lot more. We're kind of not. We're, we're experiencing a little lull, I think, in the music now over over here comparatively to Europe, you know? Okay. And they just... They, they get it. Well, and they're probably kind of... Would you consider it like a, a revival of punk rock over there in Europe, or is it just something that's kind of catching ground now, or...? I just think that they view... They view it differently for some reason. It's, uh... It's more respected as a... Uh a viable kind of, uh, I don't know if I hate to use the word art, but like it's, it's more revered. Music always seems like it has been over there for some reason. They, they treat musicians better. It's a, it's, and, and people get out and they, they connect with it. Uh, it's hard to describe unless you've been and experienced it, I guess. You know what I mean? They, they, the people that work at the clubs, a lot of times you'll have a, community dinner with people before a show and the guy that's doing sound and the, the guy that's sweeping the floors and everybody sits together and eats before a show and it's there's a real communal vibe about it you know yeah well it sounds like it's probably some of those you know that if, if you think of tribal roots and 
the tribe, you know, sitting around the fire and, and sharing a meal and music. It kind of all seems to fall into place with that. It does. And they, I mean, I, they, they, they take a lot of pride in it over and, and the pride in, in, uh, in carrying on that type of tradition, I think, you know what I mean? No, that's fucking awesome, dude. Where were some of your favorite places you guys toured when you were over there? Uh, well, I mean, it's, it's, it's everything over there is beautiful. This particular past run, uh, we did, we, we played a bunch of, Switzerland was really great. We played Luzerne, uh, and that was a club, this place, Club Sadal, that was really, really cool. Uh, we played in, uh, uh, the, the best path for me, I guess, non, non-gig related was the ride from Magenta to uh, Marseille. Uh, and that was the first time I had done that up the French Riviera, off, all the way up the coast of Italy through uh, Nice and uh, Monaco it was breathtaking and, uh, and then in Marseille we got to do a gig with Agnostic Front so that was quite a day that was really really cool uh, Europe is and touring uh, it's, you gotta pinch yourself sometimes it's, it's <laughs> such a it's so so surreal it's such a cool experience you know yeah for sure well I'm playing with Agnostic Front That that's just gotta be a treat in itself those guys Again, kind of harkening back to hardcore legends, and they've got that documentary, The Godfathers of Hardcore, coming out, and I can't wait to catch it. But I would imagine yeah, the, the energy and vibe that those dudes got on the stage has got to carry over. <laughs> the, the, I, I was fortunate enough to see that uh, Ian, uh, Ian and Roger invited me and my girl last year. They did a, a screening at Punk Rock Ball, and so we got to see there. Uh, and, uh, and Roger was so nice. He sat us right, me and my, my wife right in the middle. And he's like, this is where it'll sound best. And you know what, what, uh, it's, uh, it's such an incredible, it's a film. It's not a documentary. It, it is, but it's not a MTV behind the music documentary. It's a human story. You know what I mean? And it's, it's, it's so remarkably well done. As a matter of fact, it was just texting Ian the other day and then because they're gonna a really something like showtime i think uh i don't know if it's this week or this month but uh i was just congratulating him on all the success it's such a such an awesome thing to see he's been doing that for so long and really cool no it's awesome i can't wait to check it out and just get a better idea of their their history and background and their i think it focuses a lot more correct me if i'm wrong but kind of on their their personal lives and what's going on from then to now and kind of where they're at and where they're they're hoping to go yeah i mean it's 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 remarkable the the whole thing i mean rogers roger is a super super intelligent and super he's got more heart than just about anybody i've ever met and uh and that's certainly captured in the film and then and Vinny and and i mean Vinny just speaks for himself i mean the guy's just if you wanted to hang around with anybody for any as much as you could, it'd be Vinny, you know. <laughs> he's just—he's so fun and he's so straightforward and honest, and he, he just—it's hard to believe, you know. And the rest of the guys too are all such great guys. So no, that's awesome. Yeah, hopefully they hopefully they keep doing it for a long time. I mean, it's it's that's important too. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and kind of kicking back to the last album with the Street Dogs, I, I already told you, you know, th- These Ain't the Old Days is kind of my favorite track. you have a favorite track off that album, or are you particularly proud of everything that you guys have done there? It's a great fucking album, dude. Uh, um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad. I, I think that, uh, I mean, it was a long time. The process was longer probably than any of us have, have experienced in, in the writing of a record. You know, we're all in different places, and... Uh, as far as tracks go, hmm. you know, like I, I really like what Pruitt brought to the table. He, uh, he brought the "Stolen Away My Burrito" song. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I like. I, 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 it's hard because I'm too, old days. I'm real close to because that was something that I kind of brought to the table. So I. I I like when people say like it, it it affects them and they like 
that, you know, when they say favorite track, it kind of makes me feel uncomfortable. That's just my own thing, you know. Uh, I'm glad <laughs> that people think it's a, a good track. But I wouldn't pick. I wouldn't pick it out personally as my favorite on the record, you know. Yeah. I, I was listening. I, I was listening the other day, and uh, and uh, "Lest We Forget" is a really great track, and then that's like you really get to to feel Mike's uh, the 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 real connection that Mike has between uh, first responders and people that are in that, and he's in that, in that field. And right. uh, it, it, it's a really great homage to, to those guys that ha- had to do a job that probably not a lot of people would want to do, you know? Well, I think especially again, with everything that's going on right now, people really don't take that opportunity to think about the gratitude they ought to show our first responders, including law enforcement and, Right. That's an excellent track, and it, it's rad that Mike, you know, being a firefighter, can kind of pay homage to that aspect of his life. And the whole album in its entirety is just fucking awesome, dude. But if I, oh, yeah, had, well, to, if I had to pick one song, you know what it'd be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that, like, people like you that know maybe or, or, or uh, knew maybe that the two things are separate, well, that's what Lawrence... Uh, Lawrence that that, uh, that manages us and that now he, he that was the thing that he really emphasized while we were recording it is that people want to hear the 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 where it'll go kind of vibe and I think that one probably encapsulates that the best you know nice that's fucking badass dude is there anything in particular with what you've got going on or that you've got coming up that you want to to mention or rap about for a bit well I mean uh, as far as street talks go right now uh I guess that punk rock balling thing is, is pretty exciting. That's coming up in May, so we're we're all excited about that for sure. Uh, that's the only thing I can think of that we're pushing right now as far as dates go. Uh, but looking forward to whatever comes of that. And then that uh, on a personal note, I guess uh, get to look forward to seeing the mighty, mighty Boston's in a couple of weeks. That's going to be cool. Hell yeah, and those guys uh, just kicked out a fucking killer new album, too. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, they, they, those guys, are, they lead the charge as far as the Boston bands know how to do it, you know what I mean? As, yeah. uh, as musicians, as uh, as gentlemen, as uh, emissaries, you know what I mean? They are, they they epitomize what, what the Boston scene should be like, you know? Hell yeah. Well said. And, uh, you know, I like that. So I guess, yeah, the Dropkick store is the thing that I'm right now kind of, although I have some other ducks to, uh, some some other priorities, that's kind of where my my head is at. Like that's, that's the one that I have to kind of lead the charge as a, on a, on a real like band leader kind of level. So well, I kind of put a lot of my, my thoughts into logistics and all that kind of crap that nobody realizes goes on with being in the band. I can't even imagine the logistic crap that goes into it, dude. <laughs> it's, uh, well, uh, let me tell you, if, if you're a kid out there listening and you you want to play music and, and, and make a go of it, realize that it's 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 not all what what it looks like, that's for sure. Well, it's definitely a job. You, you're putting in time and energy and you're taking a lot of time away from your families when you're you're active and successful and touring and recording and I don't know how you guys do it, man. It's hard enough for me doing a little DIY podcast out of my office at home in Salt Lake. I can't imagine putting together an album and releasing it and then promoting it and then touring and then when you're playing a live set and getting everything to get back to what it was when it left the studio, you know, I, I can't wrap my head around it, Lenny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's I don't know. It's funny because because uh, Roger talks a little a little bit to that in the in the AF movie, the the Godfather movie, and uh, it's just that I guess for people that are doing it like on that level, that it's there's a level of drive, you know what I mean? And then and and it's great when you connect with people that have the same uh, same work ethic and same drive you know what I mean it's, it's there's a level of camaraderie I guess in that 
you know, there's a task to be done. Basically, it's it's like any, like you said, it's a job like anything else. You concentrate on, on what needs to be done and get it done. Nice. That's fucking rad, dude. Well, I, I don't know if you've got any questions for me or anything else in particular that you want to kind of rap about. I don't want to suck up too much of your Sunday. <laughs> I do, uh, I do well, respect and appreciate your time. No, absolutely, man. I'm glad that we got a chance to do it. And, uh, uh, I would, I would just say on your end, if you could, uh, let me know how I can cross promote. And I will ask you, if I had a question to ask you, I'd ask you the same question. I asked, uh, Vinny stigma at the end of the, uh, that, uh, Godfather's movie that we watched because they did a little question and answer and I waited and listened to everybody's questions and then I said uh, here's a question for you Vinny from Boston uh, what shoes what shoe size are you <laughs> uh, so what what's your shoe size nine and a half that's what I guess the Vinny's was and then uh, he told me I'm a ten baby <laughs> <laughs> Is that just a random question, or, or I mean, uh... I just popped into my head. I mean, t- that's one of the things with the, with the. Well, I used to do that when I was drinking too, but now that I'm I'm sober, it's, I I find that I'm less obnoxious. I just ask, but it's innocent, but kind of like a childlike innocence, you know. Just ask what's on your mind and and let her let it go. So, Vinny, I knew Vinny would be able to relate to that. So, no, that that's awesome, dude. <laughs> Well, fucking hey, buddy. I I really do appreciate your time, man. And uh, you know, keep keep doing what you're doing. And I I hope to see more of you guys. I hope to catch you next time that you you come through Salt Lake City. Uh, maybe absolutely. I'll have to take a, a trip out there to to Boston. I haven't been out in Beantown in in a long fucking time. And it's well, you just let me know if there's anything I can do as far as getting into a show or something. I'd be happy to help. So no, I I appreciate it. It's not expected, but it is definitely. Definitely appreciate it, man. Now, I, I do try to throw a movie clip in each episode of my podcast, and I, I didn't get one from you. Can you toss out a favorite line from a movie or a TV show or something that you dig, and maybe I can throw it at the end of the episode? Sure. Uh, I can eat 50, 50 of them, 50 damn eggs. <laughs> What's that from? Cool Hand Luke. Oh, fuck, you're right. Okay. Great. I, I I actually a couple of years ago for my birth. Well, yeah, I think on my fifty fifty first or something. I I tried to recreate that and eat uh, fifty deviled eggs. It, it I wouldn't recommend trying that. I was just going to say I can't imagine that turned out too good. <laughs> no, I got thirty. I got thirty plus down. It's a, uh, oh maybe it was so it was devil. It was half. They cut them in half. It was twenty five. I think I got twenty. Five deviled eggs down. It was, yeah. I, I can't eat deviled eggs anymore. Ruined it. <laughs> yeah, it permanently ruined it. Yeah. Fuck. That's a bummer. I love deviled eggs. <laughs> well, don't eat that many of them, and maybe you'll be all right. Uh, no promises. Come Christmas time, my mom whips up some fucking wicked deviled eggs, dude. <laughs> that's that's cool. Go go to town then. <laughs> I mean, it, it worked for Cool Hand Luke. It should work for everybody theoretically. Well, I, I will probably heed your advice and, and try to be a little bit more modest on them this year. <laughs> yeah. Well, right on, man. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate you, Lenny. You have a good day, man. All right, man. Thank you so much. You too. And that's another episode of the podcast. Thank you to Lenny for taking the time to sit down and bullshit with me for a little bit. Thank you guys for tuning in. I'm going to take us out with some stiff little fingers. We'll see you next time.
I can eat 50 eggs. Nobody can eat 50 eggs. You just said he could eat anything. You ever eat 50 eggs? Nobody ever eat 50 eggs. Hey, Babaluga, we got a bet here. My boy says he can eat 50 eggs, he can eat 50 eggs. Yeah, but in how long? The hour. Well, I believe I'll take part of that wager. No. Two dollars, right here, I'm going to call. Oh, come on now, let's talk some money. All right, twenty dollars. Anything, syndicate will cover any kind of bet you want to make. Go, go get some paper.